The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. You're listening to the Underdog Sports NBA Show. With host Tyler Laurie and Zandrick Ellison. Brought to you by Underdog Sports. Tune in every week as Tyler and Zan recap the biggest storylines and news in the NBA. Welcome to episode 239 of the Underdog Sports NBA show. I am Tyler Laurie and I'm joined as always by my co-host out in LA, Zandrick Ellison. Zan, how are you today? I'm doing well. It's an exciting time. I mean, like we talked about it last week, this is sort of like the final push to the playoffs and it, everything's just so tight, as tighter than I can remember in a while. And a feeling like, especially in the West, like three to 11 is in play for all these teams. Yeah. And you start to get, you know, like Sixers Celtics on Saturday night was like one of the most intense games I've seen so far this season, like very playoff atmosphere. And then actually Bucks Suns, even though Giannis didn't play, was also a very intense game. Dallas and, and the Lakers, like you can tell the teams are ready. They're gearing up the playoffs. And that is when the league gets really, really exciting. And so a lot of stuff has happened, right? Like it feels mm-hmm. we recorded last week, but like, I, I don't even know. Where do you want to start? Well, we're still waiting for Durant. We haven't seen Durant play for the Suns. He's supposed to debut March 1st, I, I think. So Wednesday, we're recording on Tuesday, but okay. yeah. I think the most interesting thing that we hadn't had the chance to talk about was... Atlanta firing Nate McMillan was not surprising. I'd seen that coming for a few months. Them targeting Quinn Snyder, not surprising. But hiring him and like putting him in charge with, what, 20 games to go in the regular season feels almost unprecedented. I can't remember. I know Chris Finch took over midseason. That's really the Minnesota team was not like a playoff team. So this is unusual. So I do think it's interesting for sure. So Nate McMillan got fired last week. Quinn Snyder in the mix signed a five-year deal, uh, supposedly worth about $8 million a year. It does, I believe, include this year as one of the years, or maybe it's a five-and-a-half-year deal. I can't remember, but, uh, yeah, we could have made a lot of money on Bovada just by – we knew Nate was going to get fired. You knew it from, like, the day that he got hired that he was going to get fired (laughs) because that's just kind of, like, what was going to happen. But I do think that I thought about you when they hired Quinn Snyder, not just because we talk about a lot of stuff, but because – the king, or I'm sorry, not the Kings. The Hawks didn't make what mistake they probably made before, which was hiring an interim coach. The team plays a little bit better under right. the interim coach, and then you have to hire that guy because, like, the locker room's happy about that guy. And so, if you remember, you know, they fired Lloyd Pierce. They made the playoffs. They had that run under Nate McMillan to the Eastern Conference Finals. Arguably, could have made the finals, honestly. And then they hire Nate McMillan, and now two years later, they're back. And so. I think it is an unbelievable coup for them to hire Quinn Snyder, Zan. I just think that – I don't know that he was for sure the best coach available on the market, but I sh- I thought there was a good chance he would wait because there are some other very, like, intriguing jobs that might come open, and I don't know that, like, the Hawks situation is one that I want to step into, but – you, know, you made you a good are, point. You made a couple good points there, which is rare. So let me give yeah, you a couple of I'm, I'm, I'm in the mood today. Let's do it. <laughs> You're hotter than Damon Lillard. I, the, the interim coach thing, yeah, it's because it's a conundrum. We saw with Carolina Panthers, you know, with Steve Wilkes, like he's just sort of a placeholder, but he kind of overachieves. And then there's all this pressure to keep him. And then they ended up not. But, you know, it becomes a thing unless you hire somebody whose like, job it is to like tank openly. Mm. And like have the front office's, you know, mindset. Greg Popovich, if you remember, was an interim coach. He made uh, himself interim coach. He made what himself a, one, interim coach. One of like tank. the most like underrated storylines of all time that like people now that are fans, and even even us at the time, we probably weren't old enough that like Greg Popovich. No, yeah, his, we did not. Like, can you imagine own, somebody doing that now? Yeah, it'd be hilarious. It'd be he pulled his own coup, and it worked out swimmingly for all parties, which is really yeah. It's like it would be like if Daryl Morey like took over his coach and <laughs> then like installed himself. Like a, we're talking about Putin before. It's like a Putin situation. Um, but oh, yes. Um, I don't know. Are there better jobs out there? You know, he'd been with Atlanta before. Did you remember that? Yeah, before he was he got an, the Utah job. He was an assistant in Atlanta. Yeah, and I just looked it up because I thought it was interesting. Just for one year, I thought he was there longer under Coach Bud. No, remember he had his whole like, you know, he left Missouri, 
kind of a lot of stuff went on behind the scenes. He ended up over in Russia. Like he kind of like had to like make his way back. And that was the, he comes back and he was in Atlanta for a year. And then Utah was like, all right, we're going to hire him because. But listen to this coaching staff. That's this is what I was going to say. Atlanta's coaching staff that year, they were actually under 500. Um, This was uh, in Buttonholder's first year on the job. So they were sort of like a rebuilding, I guess, situation. They made the playoffs under 500, but the coaching staff, um, Quinn Snyder, Kenny Atkinson, obviously went on to be a head coach. Taylor Jenkins went on to be a head coach. Darvin Ham went on to be a head coach. So how rare is that, that you have like four assistant coaches that would go on to be head coaches? And he might have more buttonholes in the future because it sounds like Charlie Lee is getting a head coaching job eventually. Like he has been like more fertile than Greg Popovich is like a coach. Not, I mean, not over the course I think of so. recently because that's what happens. Like you hire guys that come from teams that win, right? Like, right. you know, like, but it, it's, it's interesting. I think the Quinn Snyder thing, because like you're saying, are there going to be better jobs available? And I think, well, what are, would they be? Philly? I, Philly is one. I think there's a good chance. I don't know how good of a chance I think the Clippers will open is, but I think the Clippers no. could open. I think Dallas could almost certainly open. Uh, I forgot the timeline of the Lakers. Did they hire Ham after Snyder had left or before? Before. Before. Darvin Ham is not getting fired. There's a lot of But I'm saying, would would the Lakers have hired Quinn Snyder if they had Quinn Snyder available at the time? I don't know the answer to that, actually. It's kind of a good question. Maybe there's not as many jobs opening as I think. Dallas, maybe. Dallas might open, yeah. Toronto, probably not opening. Golden State's not opening. I mean, Phoenix could like really flame out and Monty Williams could get fired, but that seems pretty unlikely, right? And I don't think Quinn Snyder has like his total. I mean, the Hawks hired him without interviewing anyone else. Like they had their eyes on him. And which is good. Like you have the support of the front office. Could he have had his pick of jobs? Could he have waited to see where Victor Wembenyana goes and then you get I mean, that the, job? I that's, a, that's a good point. But the main one, obviously, is Philly, right? Like that's the job that I think people are kind of just waiting. Like, is this happening? And and I don't even know. So so this is why the Quinn Snyder thing is really interesting to me, right? Because so one, the Hawks front office situation is a bit weird, I would say, right? It's a young front office, but also like Tony Ressler's son is apparently like calling a lot of shots, right? Nick Ressler, is that his name? Zan, yeah. this seems like something very uh, Yeah, we did talk about this. He's like but, a 27-year-old who they touted him as like his promotion saying, you know, he's worked in basketball for the last three years yeah but he was like he was like a basketball operations assistant like there's a good chance that like tony wrestler had this or i'm sorry nick wrestler had the same job as i had like for the sixers seriously and all of a sudden he's like general manager which is great he was on that nepo baby article was he really that was a good article no no he's not but (laughs) he would be in the sports so travis lank got pushed out landry fields the you know former wing who is good apparently i mean i don't he is technically the gm now but so Quinsire probably has some say over personnel decisions, right? You would assume that he would because, but the Hawks are like capped out. So I, I really like Quinn Snyder getting in right now. I think it's unfair probably to put any expectations on him this year because, you know, he's coming in with 20 games up, but the Hawks are the eight seed. So he's probably going to coach a playoff series. I would imagine the Hawks will improve quite a bit especially on offense because they'll just start doing more modern things. Like they might. Well, and it almost more. felt like the air got let, you know, the tension got let out of the building because they, you know, Joe Prunty was two and O and Trey young was playing better. And maybe it's just like a, you know, maybe Nate McMillan, they just wanted him Zan, gone or at least Trey. Isn't, him gone. Zan, isn't at this point, this is, this is what bothers me about coaching hires. And I, I wouldn't say like either one of us is an expert, but you follow coaching hires in football and basketball specifically too quite much, closely to our audience. Yes. But Nate McMillan is who he is, right? Like he is an average NBA head coach. Like I, if you hire Nate McMillan, I expect you'll finish somewhere close to 500. You might finish a few games above it. You might finish a few games below it, but like, he's basically Jeff Fisher, right? Like, so why? Are but, the, but there's a point when Jeff Fisher, when you're average and then you're old, then you start sliding. Oh, Oh, you're, you're saying like, Nate is worse because of that. Yeah. I, I understand what you're saying. That makes sense. That makes total sense. Yeah, like Nate used to be average, but like, you know, old-fashioned is an understatement. Their offense, you know, ranked 29th in three-point attempts. Which is second a, to last. Amazing, considering you have Trey Young. Yeah. First, they rank first in two-point attempts. It's never a great sign unless you have, you know, a bad sign. prime Shaq or something. 
Um, and but you know what? Like I, I think it's easy to turn it around to some degree. Like you said, they'll play better. Trey, they'll play more modern offense. Trey Young was only shooting thirty two percent from three. John Collins only twenty five percent from three. So like they're going to regress back to being a pretty good team. Yeah, and I think the first thing I would imagine he will do is, given how they played offense, like you know they have Clint Capella, like they can play a much more like four uh, four out one in type style. Like I, I would assume he's just not going to worry about John Collins and he's going to bring John Collins off the bench, right? Like they'll just play Sadiq Bay and get some more space for Trey. And I, I think that'll just be a better situation. But the real problem is like the Hawks are like already at the tax line and they have no picks because of the DeJounte Murray deal. But so- they do have a lot of pieces. Like you talk about they added Sadiq Bay, they have AJ Griffin who's been playing, you know, had a good, yeah, that's true. And, and, and they can, they can trade John Collins, which we've been talking about now for two and yeah. a half years. But let me, let me ask you this. Do you think Quinn Snyder and Trey Young is going to work out off the court? I think that's like the biggest question here, right? Is we hear a lot of whispers about Trey Young. I think it's a pretty unkept secret at this point that he is, you know, not, not, he's an amazing basketball player on the offensive end specifically, but it, it's pretty clear that like there's some trouble in the locker room with Trey. And, and, you know, I would imagine you're right. Nate McMillan, he wanted Nate McMillan out after he wanted Nate McMillan hired. So, Quinn is, for all intents and purposes, nuts, right? Like, he is a basketball, like, lifer, <laughs> super intense. Like, he looks it. I mean, I don't know him personally. Do you but... think that he's the right personality? That That's kind of where my thing is. Like, he's going to. He looks like a like a grizzled cop who's been on a stakeout for the last five years. And he's just, yeah, like, somebody, a little tired. <laughs> I, I would try to find the tweet. I, I don't have it up. But there was, like, a side-by-side of him and uh, – Leo in uh, The Departed, like after he had been under, it was actually like it was like he does look like that. And and then the interesting thing from Landry Field's point of view, you know, the young GM, I get. I don't know if he had the choice to hire Quinn Snyder or not, but are you hiring somebody and giving them like a loaded gun? Because theoretically, Quinn Snyder has more power than Landry Fields now. I would imagine. I would imagine he does. Typically, like when you hire a coach or the GM already in place or vice versa, we had this conversation with Daryl Morey and Doc Rivers, but like if the owner makes the hire, you would assume that, you know, whoever is hired second has a direct line to the owner. Right. But credit to, you know, them for trusting, I guess that they'll be able to work together, even though Quinn Snyder had friction with the Utah front office. But they were okay. I mean, they were okay. Uh, It kind of wore out as welcome. And he did have to deal with, you know, Rudy is not the easiest guy to deal with, apparently. And Donovan Mitchell and Rudy, like, that wasn't an amazing partnership. And he dealt with that for eight years, basically. So, yeah, they had a good run. Um, I, what, how dangerous are they this year? Because I don't, I don't think very dangerous. I think they're a little scary because if I'm at the top of the East, I'd be a little afraid of Atlanta. The Knicks might climb higher than so, the, the bottom of the playoffs, but they're playing really well. All right. So, I what, think what Toronto's. Eventually going to start playing better. Let's talk about the East for a second then. This yeah. is good, right? So Atlanta is, as of us recording, 31 and 30. They are in the eighth spot. Toronto is 30 and 32. They are uh, one and a half games back. And then the Wizards somehow are in the final playoff spot right And now. Chicago, I just read a stat that Chicago's defense has been like the top defense so since the year started. The my Toronto question is. to you is like Brooklyn is is probably going to fall. Like they're not playing super well. Uh, so, But there are four games, three and a half up on Atlanta right now. Right. Do, but is like Miami just beat the Sixers in Philly on Monday night. Super tough game. Like, is Miami, do you think Miami's worried about being passed by Atlanta? Like, I would assume Atlanta is probably in the playoff spot, because in the playing spot. Because like you said, the Knicks are, yeah. what, the Knicks are four games up. And um, so it, it just seems a little bit like. Well, I, I'm not thinking, you're right, because if they're in the play-in, if you're seven or you're eight, you're playing Milwaukee or Boston, and, and you're going to lose. And and probably, or Philly, and you're going to lose. That's that's kind of my thought. But like, I, I, now see, I was going to say Philly. Philly. If say it's Philly Atlanta three six, Atlanta did beat Philly a few years ago. Yeah, but they got beat, Ben Simmons like broke his brain. They did. They did do that. They probably were directly responsible for the demise of Ben Simmons. <laughs> yeah, I, and I, I, now you have Quinn Snyder with pieces and matchups you could play with. I don't think that's. Do you think a this Atlanta team win. is worse than the Utah team? Like, you think this is? I'm sorry. Do you think this Atlanta team is better than the Utah team that he had the last five years? No shot. No, but I do think. Philly, I don't know. They still have those demons in their head. I don't know. 
I, I'm just saying, I, I would say that's not a 90% chance of winning. I think that's I don't, like an 20 I'll, I'll give you this right now. I don't think they have a prayer of a chance of beating any of the top four in the East. Interesting. Like, I think Cleveland is much better. I think they could beat New York, but like, yeah. I just, this team, I'm very curious to see what they'll do because they have so much under contract for next year already. And like, I can't imagine Bogdanovich is going to turn down his player option. It's well, like let's t- say, let's say you're Philly because I know you're a Philly man at heart. James yeah. Harden and Hart. And you get your choice. They line them up in front of you in the first round. You could either play Brooklyn, you know, the I New York Brooklyn team. I'd like to play Brooklyn. Over Atlanta and over Toronto, you're saying? Probably so. I, I think like Brooklyn is clearly the weakest. What about Atlanta, Toronto? Because those are both teams that have been in the playoffs. They're 500 now, That's but they're not bad. It's interesting. I don't know. I don't, it's interesting because Quinn Snyder could definitely have that big of a bump to make them so much better on offense like it's possible but also like it's february 28th like how much time yeah. teams don't really practice in the regular season so you know I, I like him as a guy to make adjustments but also like you know you're putting in a lot of the same concepts and you, he may tweak the lineup and do a little bit better job but at the end of the day like to instill like a brand new culture and concept of what you want to do i think it's going to be a lot harder than people think that- and that is one of the downsides of the plan, which I think has been one of the best innovations. Well, the plan's the plan's great. Honestly. It's great. It's a great concept. Great innovation. Love it. The only downside is if you're fighting for the seven eight. At the end of the day, what does it mean? Yeah. How many seven eight teams are going to be competitive against a one and a two? And you could maybe transition that to the West because now you're talking about. I think the Lakers were adding a lot of luster to the the plan concept. And now LeBron and is out for LeBron's out for a couple of weeks apparently, and they're they were already like you know they're close they're close to the play and they're only half a game out, but and they were playing better. I mean, yeah, I think they were a very frisky playing team, but now I don't know if they miss it. Then then you're talking about like Portland, you know, who never seems to win. I mean, Portland's kind of frisky. Dame's going for seventy points. Like you know, shout out to Dame Lillard, forty and a half, and then. 70 overall. I actually went to bed. I was thinking about staying up to watch Dame to see like if he was going to go for 80 because we know like only other than Steph, really the only other guy when he goes like absolutely supernova is Dame, right? Where everything looks like it goes in. But he missed like his first like three or four shots in the second half. And I was like, ah, whatever. He's going to finish with like 55. I went to bed and I woke up in the morning. I was like, damn it, 71. I should have stayed up to watch. But so I think that like the Lakers, they beat Dallas. Uh, Jared Vanderbilt was like amazing, like awesome yeah. in that game. Like, like I have Laker friends who are fans who are just like loving the Jared Vanderbilt era. It's tough. The Jared Vanderbilt experience is, is a little bit rockier, I think, than people realize. But against Luca, like he was clearly frustrating him. Uh, I took a little bit more away from Dallas in that game, I think, than than the mm, Lakers. But LeBron, so third quarter, LeBron, kind of like a non-contact injury, honestly. I, I was watching the game. I texted you when it happened, and I was like, you know, he said on the floor several times, like, it popped, it popped. But then the guy just, like, stands up and then plays the rest of the game, and he's like, no problem, nothing, blah, blah, blah. And then we see this tweet from Shams on Monday that he may be out for an indefinite period of time. Uh, so I'm not really sure, like, what the injury actually is, right? But if and it's there's a like injury, this mysterious foot injury that he's had How is he going to be how – is, how is LeBron going to be back – for any sort of like play in game, you know, the Lakers right now are 29 and 32, right? So they've got 21 games left. Like, are we, do we think LeBron's playing again this year if it's a significant injury? Well, you know, if he's out for two weeks, how many games is that? Like 10 games? Um, not even. Probably less. Yeah. yeah so he could come back. Are they going to slip out of it though? That's the question. Well, the good and news is, you know, you have D'Angelo Russell now, right? So he, he's doubtful, obviously, for their game. Uh, that'll happen Tuesday night as we're recording, mm-hmm. but they have another guy to play with Anthony Davis. And Anthony Davis was spectacular on Sunday. So if that guy exists, he can keep you afloat. But it does show you, like, watching the Laker games, it's a, it feels like a totally different team. It feels like they added, like, a whole roster. You know, now you yeah, have like, like three or four playable guys that you uh, added out of nowhere. Almost. Austin Reeves is like talking shit to like Josh Green. He's like getting shit. But, you like, know, just really adding awesome. like, you know, D'Angelo Russell, obviously Vanderbilt, like Beasley. These are all playable guys. And it, it makes me wonder, like, let's say the season slips away, right? If And we didn't see enough to know. But if you're Rob Palinka, do you think... I think this team can contend next year. 
well, I think, keep it as is, or do we need to make a major shakeup in the offseason? Well, yeah, I, I think it's interesting, right? Because the D'Angelo Russell contract is a big point of contention. You know, Malik Beasley's fine. Jared Vanderbilt's fine. But, like, you need to see if, like, D'Angelo Russell makes sense as that next guy, right? Because the cap space that they created, essentially, like, we think they traded for Rui to be able to kind of extend Rui because they'll have his bird rights. And the same thing with D'Angelo Russell, right? And I think that's really the question of and i would, I would be scared if lebron's out and d'angelo comes back and you know puts up 25 a game will, will he do that time yeah, yeah will he do that with lebron but also like is d'angelo russell and anthony davis like a bad you know i guess two Future. one obviously anthony yeah. davis is the better of the two players but you know that's part of it so i think the lakers made these moves with this year in mind but just as much with next year in mind because yeah but then i wonder is it like a placeholder because LeBron's still like making like emoji eyes at Dame Lillard all the time? And I mean, how can you not make emoji eyes? The guy's a flamethrower right now. He's like and Kyrie Irving. That's why I'm curious about your yeah, Dallas so, take because, like, do you think this is going to work? Because he's a free agent. Right I don't now. honestly. I really don't know. I I can't tell you that I had watched a ton of Dallas with the two of them. I actually don't know how many games Kyrie and Luca have played together, but that was the first one that I had watched. And I was really kind of blown away in the fourth quarter. Like it just, it felt like neither one of them really knew what to do. And that's not to say that like Jason Kidd didn't do a good job or isn't doing a good job. I I don't know, but it was like, you know, Luca is so good at getting guys shots, but like, it was like, he wasn't sure how to like integrate Kyrie. And then it was Kyrie's turn to have the ball. He wasn't sure. Should he be looking to Luca? There was a couple times he looked really tentative. I thought Kyrie and, and was just trying to like get the ball to Luca, which was, is that a plan? Like, that's not how we want him to play. And I, I just, my biggest takeaway was the two of them seem to have no clue how to play together. And I, that's bad, obviously. Like, but I don't well, know. And then also, it seems like they still haven't solved what do we do in Christian Wood? Cause he, he's putting up 17 and eight on the season, playing, which he's is playing fine. pretty well. I would be yeah, surprised if well. he doesn't get moved. I, I don't know. Though. I truly is, he, know. is he starting? I mean, he's averaging 20 and nine as a starter. So like he's playing well when he's in there, but it doesn't seem like they totally trust him yet. And then also you wonder, <laughs> Jason Kidd did have the best quote of the season. What was the exact quote? Um, let me find it. Just vamp for a second. Well, I, oh, here I it mean, is. I have it here. He was go talking ahead. Go about, ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. He was talking about, you know, I don't know whether to call a timeout or something like that. Cause they were on a bad run. <laughs> he goes, this is Jason Kidd, coach of the Dallas Mavericks. <laughs> um, I'm not the savior here. I'm not playing. I'm watching, just like you guys. Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> you got to do something, brother. It's, if Steve Nash had said that, you would have lost your mind. You would have demanded an emergency <laughs> podcast to talk about it. Jason Kidd is an interesting dude. because, like, Do you think they would trade for Kyrie and Jason Kidd? Because they did like Jason Kidd. <laughs> I don't know. The Lakers, Maybe. I mean, like, would the Lakers... Can we Obviously, talk about this weird. Dallas situation, though? Their roster is so jacked up that there were major portions of the game on Sunday where Frank Natilikina was guarding LeBron in the fourth quarter and Justin Holiday, who's been on the Mavericks for two games. Like, how is that the case, right? And I understand. They're, they're the they, biggest, like, upside-downside team because I like Josh Green. Josh Green's been good. Better. Josh Green's been good. Reggie Bullock you know, has like, not been as good as you would imagine. Yeah, he's had a he's been down this year. Tim Hardaway has been really pretty bad, I think. But they're still a dangerous team. But the, you know, they could make the conference finals. They could lose in the first, get swept in the first round. Even I wouldn't be shocked. Um, I don't know. I don't know what they'll do. But like I said, it, it was really quite something to watch. Like, but is there any scenario, honestly, where Kyrie comes back? Yeah, where Kyrie looks at this and says, "This is my best option. This is where I want to be." Well, what, what's Kyrie? 30, 31, 30. He's younger than me. Uh, I'll say, wouldn't it kind of just be in Kyrie's best interest to start just taking one year prove it deals anyway? Because like, I, I want to know, like, do you think it only takes one team, right? And, and the Lakers are a team that will, I would say, pay for somebody that maybe somebody else won't. Uh, LeBron gives you some leeway to do that because of the respect level that like he generates. And obviously Kyrie and LeBron have had their issues in the past, but I just don't know what deal is out there for Kyrie. Like, I don't know who's we've talked about this, but like who's giving him four years, 180 million. Like you, you can't make that investment in Kyrie Irving. I don't think. And so I think the Lakers would, and they would, I don't think, I don't think they'd give him, I don't think they'd give him a full four year, a full four year max. I don't think so. Maybe not, but I think they have, maybe they're collecting pieces for that. Maybe sign and trade. If you think 
would Dallas just reload the supporting cast? Get D'Lo, get no. Vanderbilt, get you know, I don't they're know. Not gonna Go back to guy. like the Luca they're, and the Pips. They're not going to play that guy. Ne- they're not going to play Russell next to D- next to Luca, right? Like Kyrie makes some sense because of like how dynamic he actually is. But I mean, he's not. I mean, he's so good. It just was like so. They just look so lost together sharing the floor, and so. I don't know. I could see him taking a shorter deal to stay in Dallas. But the problem is, like, it's hard to handicap the Kyrie Irving market because I I just don't know what it is. And it's not so that it's not that I don't think he deserves to get paid. It's just that I think as you look at things from an asset standpoint, how much money are you willing to lock up in a guy who isn't the most reliable? Right. And that's the thing, like with Kevin Durant, right? You pay him the max and like maybe he gets injured, but if he's healthy, he's playing. Like that's always been who he is. But Kyrie has, you know, not shown that to be the case. And, and COVID aside, like even in the past, he's not been reliable and he's created some stirs with other things that he said prior to 2020. So, like, do you really think that a team out there is gonna be like, you know what, we're gonna put Kyrie in our second max spot? Because I, I mean, I think that's who he is now, right? He's not gonna get his own team, but like well, I, I think he, I, you know, I would gamble on Kyrie. Honestly, I've said it before. I would but give like, him a max three years at least because it's, you know, chances are it's not going to work. But What good team is going to do that, though, is my question. Like, is Indiana going to do it? Is it's like Oklahoma City? Like, you know what? Let's put Kyrie next to Shea Gilchrist-Alexander because, like, those are the teams. Well, you know what? I was This whole week I was playing a game in my head kind of pretending to be Toronto. Like, what should Toronto do? Because, you know, Fred Van Vliet's a free agent, Gary Trent's a free agent, and they're not that good. As is, so can you yeah. commit to this core? They should, be, they should be better. Yeah, they should be better. I think they're pretty good, but especially with Pertle. But I think they're pretty good too. If I was Toronto, I would happily take Kyrie and, and have Kyrie with a bunch of good big athletes around him. The problem is, like, I just don't think Kyrie wants to be there. He's not going to go to Canada, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, and it, I don't know where Kyrie will. wants to go. Where he's got he... very strict vaccine laws. He's definitely <laughs> not going true. there. But like, what? Where is he going to be happy? And I can't think of any place besides the Lakers or the Knicks, right? Maybe the Knicks. Well, he's already. I think he got run out of New York. He's like, you know, he's like a con man. He's run out of town. Isn't it? Isn't it this thing now? Like, all right. So there's this like weird. Neither one of us lives in New York, so obviously we don't we don't know this to be true, but. Isn't there this like weird persecution complex for like Knicks fans? I think it's like like Knicks fans think the Celtic or not the Celtics, the Nets are like, you know, a wine and cheese group. It's not like a real fan base, right? So if they got Kyrie, they might be like very protective of him. Like they might actually be okay with that. Well, he would add some flash to the garden, uh, you know, Mecca. He would, or whatever. He, would he would do that. And, but and if honestly, you were the that's a that's a whole other thing that's never gonna happen. But let, let's say you're Thibodeau, let's say you're New York. You're a good team, not a great team. Would you rather pay Brunson 20, 25 million or Kyrie 35 million? I don't know. The Knicks are pretty, the Knicks are pretty, they're pretty good, good but like they're not going to win it. They're, I mean, maybe they're going to win a series. I don't know. They're very boring. Like they're not a super fun team to watch, but like Jalen Brunson is fun. Julius Randle, like they're fun, but the Knicks are pretty good. But you're exactly right. Like Knicks, Knicks, Knicks might- seventh in offense this year. Knicks Cavs might end up being more of a mismatch than we think. The Cavs are like really good and not getting talked about. I don't, I, I truly don't think they're at the same level as like, I think the Celtics are the best team in the NBA. I, I yeah. said this to you. But what about this? What, where's Kyrie going to go? You've talked, you've mumbled about this in your sleep, at least, um, according to your wife. <laughs> I was not there, but Luca, he's under a long, long term deal, locked up for a while, but he can't be thrilled with Dallas. I mean, Let's, you talk about like, they bring in Porzingis and they trade Porzingis and then Brunson looks good. Then they so, lose Brunson, who's averaging 23 and six, by the way, in the Knicks. And then you bring in Kyrie, who in our scenario might leave. It's like, what are we doing I, here? So I told you that I thought the Kyrie deal was smart for the Mavs in the sense that they get a lot of cap space if he does not come back, right? They get the Dinwiddie money off their books. They get Dorian Finney-Smith, who's really, really good, but they get his money off the books. Like for times, they can just stretch and they can end up with more money, right? So. I think it makes sense to have Kyrie Irving right now. And if he wants yeah. to resign and it works out, then fine, you do it. But I do, like I said, the 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 bigger this is actually a pretty good segue, but I don't know if you meant to do this, but like the three big dominoes, I think, are so tr- does Trey Young want out of Atlanta, right? Mm-hmm. It's a bit more believable for him because he's already signed his uh supermax. So like he could just say, like, you know what, I need to be traded, right? So Trey Young, that could happen. Um Luca is another one I think people are waiting for. Like, is he going to get upset in Dallas? Now, I don't think he will. And I do think it's because Mark Cuban is 
you know, just a very good owner. And I think, you know, Luca, he's going to do whatever he can to make sure Luca gets what he needs, gets what he wants. So they'll continue to try to, they'll almost do kind of like what Philly did with Allen Iverson, where they just kept trying to figure it out, kept trying to figure it out, kept trying to figure it out. And then yeah. finally, it was like, all right, we can't do it anymore. And then the other one is, I mean, I think there's real juice to like what's going to happen with LaMelo Ball. And he, you know, Monday night breaks his foot. He's out for the season. Charlotte is, they had one actually, like, I think they had won four straight games. Um, but, they're 20 and 43, so they have the fourth worst record. You know, would them winning the lottery keep LaMelo there? I, I don't know, but it, it seems like that Charlotte LaMelo marriage is heading for a divorce pretty quickly. And I think those are the three around the league that people are really paying attention to in terms of like, you know, guys you think can be superstar, guys that are a superstar, and then LaMelo people think can be a superstar. Or who's going to be ready to like relocate, basically? And so I, right. I don't think Dallas is so afraid of that happening to Luca, but I, I bet you it's in the back of their minds. You can never be too sure. Right. Yeah. Not in this day and age. And I, I think you're right. Like it's just when I was doing the fake Toronto game, I thought about LaMelo too, but it's like, he's not going to want to come to Toronto. And like, he, I don't think he's want to stay in Charlotte either. So I don't know where he sees his home, but it, the clock is ticking on his contract, you know? So that's like time's running out. And, and I think Victor would probably save it. Although, you know, Mark Williams looks pretty good at center. So maybe they don't need, you know, as much as they think. I mean, they're drafting. If they get the number one. No, pick, I'm just saying like, like, hey, of all the teams. Mark Williams, let's not draft Victor <laughs> No, I'm just Come saying on, of all the teams. Um, but then also like Lamelo's. I don't know. You he Allegedly, like seems like an unselfish guy in terms of the fact that he passes and stuff. But he's a, what if you end up with number two? Does he want to share the spotlight with like Scoot Henderson? Scoot Henderson. Yeah, it's interesting. It, it really is. And, and I think that like you could probably play LaMelo with a lot of guys. Like, you know, he plays with Terry Rozier now. So like yeah. how different. But Charlotte, again, they've made some really like curious moves, I would say. And so absent like winning the lottery, I, I don't know what's going to happen. I just don't think that's where LaMelo wants to be. Like, I think he doesn't consider it to be a bigger market. I you know, I don't know what his relationships like with Steve Clifford or with Jordan in the front office. Like, I have no clue, right? Uh, but I do think that you know he probably wants to be in a major market, and he probably wants or to be he just needs like win, And there's no, there's no evidence that we have that Charlotte can win at a high level, right? Eventually, they will, but you know. yeah, I think you know what? Like we talk about, what? How do you keep stars happy? It does seem like the international guys tend to stay more often, but in those circumstances, like Denver, Jokic, like they have a good supporting cast. Like, you know, Jamal Murray's legitimate, good second banana. Michael Porter, you know, is a third banana. They they have Denver's, enough pieces where it's Denver's like, this could work. Yeah, Denver's team's good. Milwaukee, their team is very right. good. That's what I'm saying about Milwaukee. Like, would Giannis be happy in Milwaukee if not for Chris Middleton there and Drew Holiday there? So, I don't know. They just, uh, Jimmy Haslam just bought the majority stake in the Bucks. So we'll see how long Giannis stays happy because they ain't going to be paying the tax for very much longer. But it's like, not, do you think these does. guys need like, feel comfortable in their second banana to stay. Cause I, I don't think mm. Luca's ever felt. That I understand. Way. I understand what you're saying. Like yeah. do they need a second best player to be like who they want or, or do they think, do they need to think their second best player is good enough? I, I don't know. Honestly, like it's, it's hard to, it's hard to know. I, I think guys want to win, right? I think like rings culture matters. Um, Lamelo is very young. So it might not matter quite as much to him right now. I think it will – Luke is 23. I think it will start to matter to him. I think by 25, if he hasn't – you know, they made the Western Conference Finals last year, right? So it's not like they were super, super far away. But, you know, you you would expect to – if you're Luca, he's not going to win the MVP this year. Maybe he will next year, but he's having a really good year. But they're not very – they're not much closer to winning a title. Like, sure, could everything break right and they win a title? Yeah. Maybe. But, like – I don't think they're one of the best six teams in the NBA. And and to be honest with you, like we both think Denver's better. I think we both think Memphis is better. Uh, I definitely think Phoenix is better as currently constructed. So if we're talking about like maybe they're the fourth best team in the West, and I, I mean I think the Clippers are better. And well, the Clippers are better. I and then Golden State State's probably beat better. them last year. You know. And so like if that's the way it's going, and then you're looking at you know you look at New Orleans and you know Zion, who knows when he's going to play again? So they're kind of falling out of it. But New Orleans with Zion might be better. If you look at Minnesota, they get Carl Towns back and Conley works out. Minnesota might be better. I don't know. And that's like, if you're Luca, that's got to be hard to swallow, right? Because. Well, and then also like the love that he gets, you know, perpetual preseason MVP. Everyone loves him. He's great. Don't get me wrong. Eventually, and everyone blames the supporting cast. 
eventually they start blaming him. You know, like if you're the guy, you know, never made the finals, you feel like you're Chris Paul and suddenly you're the one getting fingers pointed at you. I I don't know. I think he's fine. I mean, I, I, in the immediate term, I'm just very skeptical that Kyrie wants to sign up for this marriage. I mean, I put, especially if they lose in the first round. Do we know anything? Can, is, is it the most unsafe thing to bet on what Kyrie Irving thinks? Yeah. Like, I, I just, again, he I, might take the contract and then demand to, to be demand, traded the next that, month. That's, I mean, and that's exactly like if, if Dallas offers him the most money, which they can offer him the most money, yeah. he may say, like, I'm trying to secure generational wealth, which he already has. I mean, I'm sure he's made 200 million in his career, maybe somewhere in that neighborhood. But like, you're exactly right. He might take the money and then two months in say like, I'm not playing anymore. Please trade me. Like we're not even please just trade me. And, you know, I think that's where, that's why when you're saying to me, like, where is Kyrie Irving going to go? I don't want to cop out and say like, I don't have a good answer for you, but I really don't because I don't, I personally, if I was a general manager, if I was playing general manager of the Hawks or whatever, like I I wouldn't give him a four-year max. I just, I don't think that's his market. And I think that makes it very, unnerving for him but like at the same what time what is the four-year max now i think it's even, i think he can make 180 million like somewhere in that neighborhood it's pretty yeah pretty it's, but it's not like that damian lillard like 65 million well, no, contract, he more because he's you know it's the only team he's ever played for and he's yeah. made a bunch of all nba teams and like you know if Kyrie had just stayed in cleveland like yeah he could get that but you can't get it now like there's different tiers based on like the cba so i, I don't know i mean and, and i think that if i'm dallas right and if i'm luca I am concerned about the West because unless Chris Paul is just totally washed, Phoenix will be good again next year. I mean, they'll be good even without Chris Paul, but Phoenix will be a lot better probably next year. Denver's not going anywhere. Memphis is going to get better. Like Golden State probably will be better. I I don't know. I mean, Steph stays healthy a whole season. Minnesota will be better. New Orleans will be better. So like, where are you in Dallas and who are you signing if not Kyrie? Yeah, that that's a good question. So that's why, like, if in Dallas, and that hasn't happened yet. That's the other thing that would like raise my spidey sense, where it's like, unless there's a contractual thing, I don't know. You know, he's a new destination. Clocks, you know, season's running out. Like, I want to lock him up at least for a couple of years. He's not gonna, good. I don't think there's any way he signs an extension before the end of the year. How many games have they played together? That's a question that I don't know the answer to. Yeah, I did look it up. I mean, they're playing well offensively. They crushed the Spurs. Okay, that makes sense. Everybody crushes the Spurs. The Spurs are doing just a freaking bang up job of tanking, by the way. Just they're 23rd in defense. And, uh, you know, people have said no team's ever really won when they're that bad at defense. Um, they lost to Dallas. He did, or they lost to Denver. He, Kyrie did not play. Uh, and then Luca was hurt. They lost to Minnesota. Yeah, I don't know. It's weird. I think I, they're gonna figure out that that big spot. Like if they had, you know, I, you're a Draymond Green fan more than me, but like if they had like a really good defender like that or Bam or somebody who could really like lock down the middle, I think it would change the game a little bit for them. Yeah, Obviously, okay. It's hard. To where, find, where, but... where are they getting that? Guy? Also, <laughs> by the way, real quick on Bam. Like, so this we talked about the Sixers and. Uh, because they played Boston on Saturday and Embiid, you know, was fantastic on the offensive end and I thought was horrendous on the defensive end. But then they played Miami on Monday night and it was like a low scoring game. And, you know, Embiid does this thing where like they post him up and uh, he gets in the elbow and he just backs guys down. And Bam is like, you know, five, six inches shorter than Embiid, but he is just like so strong. Like he just like stones Embiid and gets a block on the second to last possession of the game that like no other center in the league gets on Embiid. I, I, Bam is like, that guy's amazing defensively. Anybody, if, if Dallas got Bam, I'd feel really good about it. I don't yeah, know how they're well, going to do it. I right? know. It's hard to find an impact defender. Although we did talk about it. I, you know, you made fun of me for saying, like, why is no one trading for Miles Turner, who's on the market? I, I mean, you know, different you, kind you, of defender, but 18 and 8, two blocks a game. She Miles Turner's 40% really good. from three. Yeah, Miles Turner's really Apparently good. Apparently was available for a while. And like, I don't no know one what really jumped on him. I think Indiana, and I know we weren't going to talk about Indiana, but like, I think Indiana is also playing a little bit for next year, like get, let Rick Carlisle get everything under his belt, like figure it out and then really like try to flip the switch. Cause like, you know, you don't have to trade good players, right? We always just assume there's like, all right, you've got a tank, right? You're not good enough. You're not winning anything, but like Halliburton is a legitimate star. And now you have him and miles Turner and Matherin, who we really like second yeah. year, probably going to take a leap. Like 
Indiana's probably not that far away. Why would you trade away Miles Turner? Well, now they're not, and they locked him up. But but, but we didn't know that at the time, right? And so right. it's like, but hey, like if you- I, but there are those bigs that are on the market, like Jakob Pertl, I think is good, and you know he was available. But is he good for Dallas? Like Dallas, I, I think don't- he would be defensively, and they need somebody like that. You but know. Dallas plays Dwight Powell and then just like plays him off the court in the in the playoffs. Yeah, he's better he than just... Dwight Powell though. And then you bring in Maxi Kleba if you want shooting or whatever. Yeah, I don't. Or maybe don't... it's Christian Wood. Who knows? Like their offense is is hard to stop. It's Amherst probably is. not Christian Wood though. Like I, I don't know that that's the problem with this. Is Wayne Benyana? You think? I mean, that would be that would be great. And there is there is part of me that like this is going to be a really fun playoffs, and you know you'll get real locked in. But like, there is part of me that just wants to skip to the draft and just see where this guy's going to go. Like, I, I don't know why I care so much about it. I don't <laughs> well, know and then right. also, like, not this is a, kind of a was a talking point I heard on the Lakers radio. There's a lot of talk that Lakers have a pick swap with New Orleans, and for a while, everyone's like, "Oh my god, it might be the number one pick." Lakers are so bad now. Like, New Orleans is playing badly, and the Lakers might slip. So. New Orleans is going to get two shots to win the lottery. Yeah, they're going to have two, you know. like I'm looking at the odds right now. They would have a 20% chance to jump into the top four, which is not insignificant for a playoff no, team. That's not bad. Well, not, uh, not. Oh, you're saying, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, understand. 20 combined. They're low, but they could get higher if they slip a couple spots. Um, if, in fact, they could get up to like 60% if they slip a couple spots. Yeah, but the problem is like San Antonio, Houston, San Antonio, Houston. Houston the top four is locked in. Yeah. Yeah, nobody's nobody's passing Charlotte, Detroit, San Antonio, and Houston, right? Those teams are they're going to be the fourth. So it's that fifth spot, right? And I think Orlando is technically in it right now, but yeah, everyone is in like, the fifth, and they're everyone's climbing. kind of like clustered. And Orlando's playing a lot better. Like Orlando is clearly not trying to get that fifth spot. Indiana it's interesting. Be, you know what's interesting about the top four and bottom four? You know, Houston, San Antonio, Detroit, Charlotte are basically locked into the top four, and they all have essentially the same odds. 14% versus 13%. But they're still losing. You know, you think at this point you wouldn't need to tank so badly, but Houston still lost nine in a row. Houston San Antonio still lost 16 stinks. in a row. San Antonio's lost 16 in a row? <laughs> yeah. My God. Jakob Pirtle effect, man. I'm telling you. I mean, San Antonio, like, they're just trying to figure it out. And it's like, hey, you, you think you're getting this franchise defining superstar, which I think you, you are. And I think. Everyone seems to think that like Scoot would have gone number one in the last few drafts, but like, I are we sure? Like, Anthony Edwards is very good. Are we sure that like Scooter Henderson is definitely better than Anthony Edwards was? Are we I sure? Think, I think so. Yeah, because really? I think he's. You know, I don't think athletically there's a difference, and you know, Anthony's bigger, but Scoot's been productive too, and I don't think Anthony Anderson was that good in in Anthony college. Anderson. He was Anthony tremendous, in, tremendous in law and order. He's also lost a bunch of weight, so I'm, you know. I don't know. It's it's just interesting that like this is a draft where the two the top that you know everyone wants number one. Don't get me wrong, right? But two is considered a very good consolation prize. And then after and Brent, Brent, I'm telling you, no, I disagree. I think you're going to say there's a drop off. But Brandon Miller, there was a lot of talk that like Alabama guy. That if you, he, don't know, if you listen to our show, you don't know who Brandon Miller is. Like, feel free to Google because yeah. Well, you know, he was a big wing. And there's some, he was started shooting really hot at the beginning of the year. And everyone's like, is he like Jabari Smith? Cause he's not really converting inside that much. Maybe he's Jabari soft. Smith is a four, though. Like, but now Brandon Miller's been scoring inside. You know, so he saw he hit a couple game winners. Brandon Miller right yeah. now is averaging 20 and eight on shooting splits of he's shooting 42% from three, 84% from the line. That translates really well. They project him to have a 39% um, from deep for a guy who's six, nine. If it wasn't for the shooting thing, I think he would be like locked in at number three. now. I mean, I think, I think he was ahead of a man, a man in our, our Thompson. And then because yeah, these guys who like, can't shoot, I think it's just like, you're learning from Ben Simmons. It's like, it's, it's almost like unplayable at this point. What's Brandon Miller like? Rashard Lewis? Yeah, that's our, you know, people say Paul George. I don't think he has that fluidity and handle and everything, but he's much more. Well, I, but, but keep in mind. So Paul George grew later in his career. And when he got to the NBA, like Paul George was like a defensive stopper. Like he didn't become the offensive player. He right. was like Brandon Miller had a better freshman season than Paul. For sure. I mean, I like, I agree with you. Paul George is an amazing athlete. Like before his knee injury, just in terms of how big and fluid and long he was like, Paul George is fantastic. But I guess Paul, I mean, I guess Brandon Miller looks a little different than that, though. Like he looks slighter, too. Right. Like that's kind of where I came. That's why 
I said Richard Lewis because he was so. But he thin. fits. He fits everywhere. I mean, does anyone have? I mean, I who doesn't have Brandon Miller in the top three right now? No. Well, I mean, this you know character issue or whatever. I don't know exactly how that's going to land. But yeah, I, don't I think, think it's going to hurt his draft stock. I really think. I really think Ben Simmons' struggles are hurting the Thompson twins. And everyone else who can't really shoot. Those it's just guys like, are point guards, though. Like, Benson is an actual point guard. Yeah, but what are you going to do with a wing who's not a shooter? It's just... Okay, so let's is just Is it say, Michael Kidd Gilcrest, you know? Yeah, yeah, possible, for sure. You know, and, and again, I think that, like, the Thompson twins, they're also older. Like, the Thompson twins are 20 already. Yeah. Like, and so there's a little bit of, like, a misnomer in the sense of, like, oh, you're getting these young guys, like, overtime elite... They were in, you know, the 2023 high school class, but like these are older guys, right? So, you know, Victor and Scoot Henderson are both a full year younger than the Thompson twins. And I think Brandon Miller is older than he's the older. Yeah, twins. he's the same age as them. I mean, that's why like I do think Nick Smith will end up rising. I don't know why how we got talking about the draft or the know, subject, but like I do think Nick Smith will end up rising because he's not 19 yet. And then I think like Dar- shoes, yeah. Dariq Whitehead, Ryan Rupert, those guys are all under 19 as well. And I think like age ends up mattering quite a bit when you get into those, like, all right, who are we going to take a shot on? And then sometimes you get Josh Primo, you know, not, not a great situation there, but other times you get, you know, younger guys who really like, that's like somebody asked me about Gigi Jackson from South Carolina. who's yeah. had really bad Intel this year, but he's so young. Like it's, I, I texted you about that once. Cause I was watching him against Brandon Miller. It's like, he looks very young in the face, Gigi Jackson. And he also plays like kind of dumb. I'm not sure if he's. Oh yeah, you said he plays like a 12 year old. Yeah, which is he not did, he's just like throwing balls away. And weren't like, you watching him against Alabama on Wednesday yeah, yeah, night I last was. week? Yeah, and uh, um, I don't what know. Was your level? What was your level of disgust with Brandon Miller's pat down entrance? Or did you like it? <laughs> Apparently, he did it all. He's year. done it. He has done yeah. it all year. He has not. He's just a dumb kid. He's like a young dumb kid. Like I. Listen, I don't think he should be playing. I thought Nate Oates' comments were hilarious when he said he was in the wrong place at the wrong time. Like, buddy, he drove to that place. Like, whether or not he knew there was a gun in the car is kind of up in the air. Like, supposedly there's text messages from uh, Darius Miles that say, like, bring my piece to me or bring my jack to me or whatever. Bring my joint. Like, so they're claiming he didn't read those. He was already on his way back to pick them up. Like, okay, maybe. I don't know. But I, I do think that, like, we're kind of burying the lead here when we're getting mad about the pat down celebration because like the cops but it would be interesting the bigger issue is like the bigger point is look victor's locked in who's locked in brandon miller's still playing nick smith's still playing like these guys jerace walker like there's a big drop off i think after two but it'll be I, interesting I, if in the tournament somebody becomes a star who's who's gonna, like take, who's gonna take a shot on amani bates like he is young he is a year younger than brandon miller yeah I mean, I I don't know. <laughs> he's he's like, really what, pretty he, low on these sites. He, he really he there are highlights of him at Eastern Michigan just like shooting the piss out of the ball, and then I go look at the box score of the game, and he was like seven for seventeen or something. And it's like, man, I you know, yeah. Somehow we got I, you know who I liked. I liked Anthony Black. I was watching him. He's he's not super athletic, but he's just tall. No, your guy is the dude from Pepperdine. That's like who you've been on. Yeah, all year. <laughs> I do like I, the I guy still, from Pepperdine. I still do not want to get off the Derek Whitehead train. Like I think he's had a tough time this year with his foot injury. I think you know the transition from Shashevsky to John Shire has not been a super easy thing. And like Derek Whitehead is young. He's won everywhere he's been. He's not an amazing athlete, but he's also shooting it pretty well. Pretty so well. Like, I, t- I texted you 41% from three, 93% from the line. And then I was really mad because like I, I need to like, I don't know. You're going to laugh when I say this, but like I need to like pump my own tires like a little bit more. But like I have been on this Kobe Bufkin train since like before the season. And now people have seen him and they're like, yeah, Cody Bufkin's definitely a first rounder. And it's like, all right, man, I need to like start. That's, what, that's what you said about. Tyrese Halliburton, we mentioned it before. You were on him a couple of years early. Uh, anyway, I, so we'll, be, I did not think he would be this good. But it's interesting. Where you know, there's that's what's good about. This isn't my last point I would make today, and I think it's a astute one. At, the NBA is such good shape that everything we complain about are just like nitpicking, <laughs> like oh, they don't play enough games, or the All Star game wasn't that interesting. It's like. That's such minor issues <laughs> in the grand scheme of, of a sport. Like it's just fun. Like the, it's fun at the top. It's fun in the play-in. It's fun at the bottom. We could talk for an hour about these it, it, you know, it is, bottom teams. It, it is really funny. Like the crusade against the NBA, where like 
people just are like, ah, you know what? They, they don't play defense anymore. Like they're not it, like, there's always storylines. Like they've done an amazing job. I, I, don't, I don't even want to say like comparatively, like to the NFL, NFL is like a full year league, right? Like the drafts combines coming up this week. The drafts a huge deal, but like the on field product in the NFL is, is good, right? It's really good, but they don't have like the, like the pettiness and like the storylines that the NBA does where you're exactly right. Like we could spend hours talking about, you know, I, I don't even, I don't even know, like talking about Anthony Any Edwards team, really. yeah. saying that he thinks guys shouldn't be able to sit out, you know, which was a, a cool quote or like, they had Trey Murphy like going around at All Star Weekend like interviewing players about who they thought was going to win the dunk contest. That stuff they do such a good job of. Well, and also it's the nature of the sport in the sense that take any team in the league, Orlando or whatever. It's like it's such a. There's only a few players on the team, so you like you can see how they all interact with each other. Like how yeah. well Paulo fits with Franz like changes a lot more than in the NFL. Like how well does you know, Aaron Donald fit with Bobby Wagner. It's like, whatever. They're just it just doing doesn't matter. Yeah, job. It doesn't, it doesn't matter, but you're exactly right. Like in the NBA, like you have to have, like I said, the Lakers just not even wanting to deal with Russell Westbrook, like him going to the Clippers and the Clippers wanting him on the team. Yeah. So, that's great drama. Like that actually makes quite a bit of difference. And, you know, obviously we did have, you know, some, uh, some, reporters. that would be great if they, if they matched up, I don't know how, they, again, they've never matched up in the in the playoffs before. I don't. I don't think it's gonna. I, I, they did you see this? That is an interesting stat. LeBron has not played against Kevin Durant since 2018. Since the finals, I think since the finals. Yeah, because I mean, of various injuries. Because like they didn't make the finals in 2019. No, but I'm right? saying in a regular season game. Yeah, but I, but it, that. Oh, that's weird. Because you would have expected him to play Golden State that next year, right before Durant got hurt. Yeah. It's I, it, but I, they've just been like dodging each other, I guess. I don't know. I don't know that they dodge each other. I'm, I mean, honestly, <laughs> like that's the biggest thing I think to watch. Like I, I came away from Saturday night thinking that like, it's going to be hard for any team to beat Boston in a seven game series because they just, you know, Jason Tatum played absolutely terrible on offense. And then like, you know, Brogdon was great. Right. Derek White was great. Jalen Brown. I don't know. So I see. Flat. You're a big Boston. You're solely told they're going to have to right now, if the season ended, they'd have to go on the road at Milwaukee. Oh, yeah. and well, at, so at, so at them, and Denver, Milwaukee, by the way. them and Milwaukee are technically oh, no, tied, but yeah. Milwaukee's played two less games. So You're Milwaukee right. is. And they're, they're ahead of Denver right now, too, actually. Right. But, so it, and it's not even that I think that, like, I, I just think that, that Boston, they're more battle tested now, right? They made the finals last year and they just, they just have very, very few weak spots. Like Horford, true. I think, is a weak spot, but like he can make shots. He's a, smart positional defender like Robert Williams maybe you can play him off the floor but he it's just really hard like they have a bench right now that allows them to play a specific style with very little drop off and that I think is something that other teams in the league I, I was hopeful I'll, I'll tell you their weak spot that it's not going to get you're not going to agree with and Boston fans might storm the gates if they're still listening this far I'm always yeah. impressed when I watch Boston I love the fact that they have Brogdon and Derek White off the bench. It's incredible. Yeah. I think they look worse when they have Marcus Smart on the floor. I mean, why would I not agree with that? Like, I think bringing Brogdon off the bench makes sense because you do want to have another creator, right? Even if you stagger Tatum and Brown. But, like, they closed the other night without Marcus Smart. Right? Yeah, like, like just, that's going to be the debate because Marcus Smart had that one good year. Brogdon shooting. is better than Marcus Smart. Like, right. And like the whatever defensive bonus you get is marginal. And they I think so the shooting is so much better at Brogdon. Like Marcus Smart had that one like Draymond season where he shot like 36% from three. Got but paid. the last few years, 33, 33, 33. That's just not good enough in the NBA right now. I think, but that, but this is, this is a little bit of why I'm saying like, I think they are the favorites, you know, pretty, pretty significantly is that they can decide like, you know what, Marcus, Marcus Smart's really out of pocket right now. Like, all right, you're you're done. Like we can play Derek White to replicate most of what you do defensively. Yeah. Or we can play Brogdon and, and be better on offense. Right. And so that's where, you know, it's kind of weird that they'll play Robert Williams and Al Horford together. I think they're going to have to not do that very much in the playoffs, but they just, they have, you know, eight guys. Well, that That's going to be a test though, for the coach. It's like Joe Missoula, like, are you benching in the playoffs, you know, big moments, defensive player of the year, Marcus Smart? Heartbeat of the team. Nobody cares. But if I'm Milwaukee, care about that. 
if I'm Milwaukee, I'd much rather see Marcus Smart on the court closing games than Brogdon. Brogdon. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's also because like Milwaukee doesn't really have a specific, I mean, I guess Marcus Smart guards Drew. And so like, yeah, Drew. But you'll take that matchup. Like I'm fine there. I I think that too. So, all right, that's it, I guess for us this week. Uh, But I do want to call out just one more Anthony bit of Anthony Edwards content because can't get enough of the guy. Uh, he is in a new commercial <laughs> for that like 65 AD movie or whatever, or yeah, like 65 whatever. years with Adam yeah. Driver, where he's like in the, in the trailer for the movie talking to Adam Driver. It's actually pretty funny. I, I think like it's going to be great when Anthony Edwards just decides to quit basketball and like just becomes a full time like movie star because he's getting there. And I don't know. He's funny in small doses, but you know, it's like. LeBron yeah. was funny in small doses, and then you see him as a star, and it's not working. He was good in Trainwreck. He was good in Trainwreck. What was he not yeah. good in? Oh, Space Jam. I never Space saw Jam. it. I couldn't couldn't get around to it. I do think also the LeBron injury is going to be like. Well, can you say for your Anthony Edwards stock? I know you're the biggest fan. He's your new Harden. Man, Playing Harden, great. Harden missed a three. Stats. Harden missed a three. Yeah. Buzzer on Monday night, wide open shot, just bricked it off the back rim. It's really it's hard times for for my Harden stock. I should have sold. Well, him. and also, yeah, I'm surprised you didn't include him on the stars on the move because there's a lot of smoke to the idea like he might go to Houston. Apparently, he might leave. He might. I don't know what's going on, but yeah, it's Anthony possible. Edwards needs to get above 500. James Harden needs to make the finals i think i, <laughs> I, mean, I am telling on. you you have refused you have absolutely refused to acknowledge that despite the fact that joel Embiid is a fantastic top five nba player it is hard for guys to play with him you just will never acknowledge that like and that's the thing like Embiid is i mean at this point like i i can talk about Embiid and like kind of the issues that he creates telling blue in the face but like he is better because of Harden, but Harden is worse as a no, scorer because Harden's of been great. I mean, I think you, you've been right about Harden. I think historically, and then this year, like people, he didn't make the All Star team. Um, yeah, and he's, and like he's averaging like eleven assists, assists like, a game. I mean, it's he's, interesting because they did look, they looked like they were probably not as good as Boston. Like they played really well. They blew a big lead, and part of that was because Boston makes like Embiid really work, and so like you know Horford hit a couple threes where Embiid didn't really help, and then he got beat down the floor by Robert Williams, and then they came back because Embiid's unstoppable on offense, and like so it's it's kind of interesting. Philly to me looks like they're a tick lower, yeah, and I, I think agree. it's because and- I, I think it's because I just don't have the faith that Embiid can bring it on both ends of the court every night like I do in Giannis. That's that's and then also I, I this is unconfirmed, but I am pretty sure PJ Tucker listens to the podcast because. <laughs> The last few games, he's actually shooting a little bit. 10 points, 6 points, 7 points, 8 points. That's like a big jump for him. Here's I'm gonna I'm gonna say something that's like a questionable comment, but I always obviously you're a little bit older than me. I think you're younger than PJ Tucker, though, right? PJ Tucker is I'm yeah, I'm older than PJ. You're Tucker. older than PJ Tucker. He's <laughs> he's he's 37. He's gonna turn 38. And you're older. Okay, so but PJ Tucker. The guy that PJ Tucker was at Texas, even like physically, he is in like unbelievable shape. Like it, it's ridiculous how he can chase around guys that are 25. Like he's guarding Jalen Brown in like big possessions of a game. Like it's, I don't well, know. He, he will be the key. Maybe he's like rounding into shape, but he really well, had one of his best games recently. I, Seven points, 16 rebounds. Hit. He's hit I, two threes every game for the last four. Yeah, I, I said to somebody that like, you know, one of the things that I think one of my biggest misses on this show over the last couple of years was like when Milwaukee traded for PJ Tucker, I was like, you know, I just think he's done. Like, and it was yeah. later after he played with Milwaukee for a while. And then in the playoffs, like he was able to get to a level where he was a huge part of what they did. They needed him and they yeah. won the title. And he was a big, big piece of that. And I said on Saturday night, like, this is the type of game that makes me think that PJ might have more of a level in him in the playoffs than we've seen in the regular season because well, he didn't, and- he was everywhere. The last four games, they played tough teams, Cleveland, Memphis, Boston, Miami, and he is plus 43 combined in the in plus minus. Wow. He's and they, shot. And he's they're two and two. two threes. In, they're two and two in those or one and three in those games too, right? They've actually, they lost three of those games. And he's shot. This is a crazy stat too, for considering how bad he's been offensively this year. He was, he's shot eight for 11 from three in the last four games. So is that I a mean, blip or is he like rounding into form when it matters? He is shooting like 42 and a half percent from three, but it's on like one and a half. Yeah. Game, but he's shooting, so. you know, shooting three shots a game is huge for him. You know, he needs to do that. Yeah. It's, it'll be interesting. Here's a question for you real quick. PJ Tucker. Okay. What is PJ Tucker's career high in points? Um, In a season? I was just on his page. So it might not be fair. Like nine points a game. I don't know. 
No, no, no. Career career high in just in one game. Oh, in one game. One game. What's the most points? Oh, that's really close. I would have thought he'd had like a thirty-five point game at some point, but no, twenty-four points is his career high. And it's probably because he hit like five threes. No, he only hit two threes in that game. Nine for seven. Oh, this is actually a playoff game. I I remember this, but yeah, I'm really surprised at that. I actually thought, you know, he's just been around a long time. You would just assume that like. Because he's, I mean, we all think PJ Tucker is a very good NBA player, right? But he well, is. how about this? This is, this is one thing to end on. We've said this about ten times to end on, but I think Philly could could make the finals, could lose in the first round, though. I think that if they're playing yeah, a tough to, team to like a, Miami yeah, or something, you're like all about Atlanta. But I think Milwaukee, Boston, and Denver are the only teams in the NBA I would be surprised if they did not win at least one series. I think everyone else is vulnerable. Depending on how Durant looks, maybe. Yeah, I don't think. Obviously, that's the biggest thing moving forward. Is Durant is supposed to debut on Wednesday night? But uh, right now they confirmed. would match up against the Clippers in the first round. That's God, a that'd be up. so much fun. Yeah, like Chris Paul back against the Clippers. Durant just like flamethrower in L.A. I can't. I can't wait. Honestly, I don't really like Phoenix. I've talked about this before. I'm like a huge Chris Paul guy, but uh, it is fun to watch Durant like kind of play the villain where he's like, everyone hates me. I don't know why I said, I've never done anything in my life to make people dislike me, but then he just goes nuts. So, uh, all right, that's it for us this week. All right. No more extra things. Uh, he is Dan <laughs> underscore Allison on Twitter and Reddit. You can email the show Zander at gmail.com. And, uh, as always, man, it's a pleasure. Take care. Thanks for listening to the underdog sports NBA show with your host, Tyler Laurie and Zandrick Ellison. Tune in next week for more NBA storylines and news.